I'm Cindy Temi. I'm Gracie May. And I'm Ola Awayo. And we are Frobies. Your favourite Afropop podcast. Ratatata! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna stop saying that. I tried. I'm sorry. Okay. In the ghetto. In the ghetto. Hi guys, welcome to episode three. Three. Season numero. two. Season two. If you haven't watched or listened, listen back. That's good idea. Say numero three, no. Numero. Mm. No. Quattro? No, that's boring. Mm. Okay. What language are we going for? Yeah. We are. I was going to go for German, naturally. Eins, zwei, drei is German. Yeah, yeah, German. Un, deux, trois is French. And uno, dos, tres is Spanish. Thank you. Okay. Sank. That's French. Five. Five, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's an episode for real.
which they've also banned as well, is an, is an Asian guy, mm-hmm. um, set up a business in Nigeria, so you can, they're like one of the top um, bike users out there. But anyway, so the point is, in Nigeria, it's very trafficated, it's a very swift way of getting around, especially with some of the bad, bad roads, where cars often find trouble, you know, getting to, and it's very difficult to navigate around and stuff. So they've actually banned them, and a number of reasons why they decided to ban them were because of um, terrible driving they said it's not safe it's also used as a means of crime very swift um like maybe you're walking yeah people can and stuff like that and a lot of so my understanding is i heard about this uh maybe within the last few days my understanding is that the notice was only a week that they had i believe so i might be wrong however this has recently been enforced this was enforced actually as of the first of february um and it came to as and then obviously today's the first working day so alternatives to this right so they've given us why they decided to ban it and the alternatives are that they're going to put more buses on <coughs> nigeria's roads um, <laughs> to get people around right okay so my question is this is not, oh, and by the way it's not the first time this has happened by the way they tried to ban them in 2012 but because um you know we like to rebel um they <laughs> slowly brought them back onto the roads and stuff like that so what i want to ask you guys is like give them stats and figures i've got a couple of stats and figures and figures correct statistics show that between 2016 and 2019 more than 10,000 motorcycle accidents were recorded at generous hospitals alone this number excludes excludes unreported cases and those that were recorded by private hospitals Mm. also 600 deaths resulted from these incidents according to the Lagos state government they're still waiting on a couple of things but it's okay you can take your figures as facts um (laughs) were recorded till this date so the pros to the ban is obviously that they've argued that it would um you'd see a drop in uh crime a drop in crime however as i've mentioned before these cars are and bikes sorry and kekes are good for hard to reach areas where buses and taxis are unable to go they are good means of livelihood so one of the ladies actually said that she makes about 20k a day mm-hmm. and that is quite good in comparison that's like 800 900 pound a month um i mean why take away somebody's livelihood right mm-hmm. so basically what i want to know is with nigeria saying that they're gonna basically put on more buses on the road in order to accommodate this do you think that is a fair and ethical challenge given that you know we're trying to save the environment and whatnot to do our people like that i'm gonna i'm gonna kick off with no no Um, i think there's two reasons well i mean there's multiple reasons but i'll go with two one in any situation in which you decide to bring in an immediate ban you should bring in an immediate solution um and yeah they haven't done that the buses are not an immediate solution we do have there are loads of roads in nigeria I think Korodu Road is like the road where they have that, um, they have like these air conditioned buses that are amazing, they're really cheap to get on and it can get you all the way from basically mainland to the island and um, on that bus lane no one else is allowed to drive in that bus lane. It's genius, it should have happened years ago mm-hmm. and it does change the game. I got on one of them as Certainly a tourist. More expensive? Um, I mean yeah definitely more expensive but mm-hmm. in terms of it it does get you around, it's still very cheap um, it is, and actually for the distance you travel you probably mm-hmm. will spend more on a, a keke anyway. But the reality of it is that they haven't brought more of those buses on the roads. And like you said, they haven't solved the problem of these um, areas in which they're doing it. The second reason I think this is a really bad idea is that one of the main reasons that Nigeria always say that they um, subsidize on oil is because of the amount of services that require the oil. Mm-hmm. So actually, Kekes being one of them, Okadas being the other, but actually the reason that they're subsidizing on oil prices being low is because it shouldn't just be the rich that are allowed to drive around, it should be the poor that should be able to travel. When you take away the means of travel for the poorest people, yeah. why are you subsidizing the oil prices? Because actually then the rich people are just traveling on pennies worth of oil when the poor people still can't get around. And resulting in more pollution, yeah. which we already have. 
I mean, yes. Yes and yes yes and no because you've got the pros of why they've done it obviously reducing crime yeah okay um, so for the for the kekes and um oh what sorry your nails actually match the kekes this girl <laughs> she's coming again <laughs> wow. okay, but um for the ones that I saw um I don't know that the solution of bringing in more buses helps because most of them were poorly maintained mm-hmm. I remember driving alongside ones that didn't have doors where people were they holding the doors. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of the yellow buses. Yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. But anyway, regardless, I don't remember seeing like a pristine keke mm-hmm. ever. Not to say that they're not out there, mm-hmm. but if, and is this, they are the kekes government attached funded? To the front. I don't think so. So then, uh, them putting more kekes on the road means what? That they're expecting poor people to buy it from them? The pe- are they swapping the okadas for the keke? Like, I'm not understanding. Oh, no, 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 no they, put, they put a ban on okadas and kekes. So they're just so not it's gonna let them KK's go. got dragged into the thing so as well. Okay. So the initial argument was obviously everything relates to the Akados. They're obviously nifty, got quite swift, they increase crime and stuff. Right. But then for some reason Kekes have also been pulled into that. So now okay, they're so one of the buses. If we go for the public buses, I don't know if you guys know about the concept of one chance. So in Nigeria yeah. there was this whole crime ring that people were calling one chance where they were getting buses that looked like public buses. People wow. were getting onto them and then they were kidnapping like hordes of people. Um, in actually, Lagos. in Lagos, yeah, one of my very, very good friends, I won't expose her name, but she was actually a victim of One Chance. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say like 2018 was probably like the height of it. Um, and they would kidnap them, take their um, like bank details and everything. And obviously this was before Nigeria really locked down and only having one account per person and things like that. But yeah, they were really getting away with a lot of crime. So I, I don't know. I mean, if you're poor, public transport, and actually <laughs> even in this country, public transport is the mass means of transportation mm-hmm. i just it doesn't sound like a good idea and more cars on more already cars on the busy roads. congested roads yeah. that can barely handle the ch- and this is the thing we always say in nigeria right they build stuff they don't know how to maintain mm. I, yeah it just doesn't seem i mean i completely understand sensible. it i think for akadas then yeah i mean like there, there it's sort of a slow because the thing with an akada is that people just seem to find it it's like anyone you, can the, yeah, anyone yeah, can be an Akada driver. Do you know what I mean? And usually the people and actually yeah, the people that drive them are the ones that they. We always say that they don't they don't care about life. Like, okay, so question. So is this a ban on like public transport Akadas or in general? So even if I own a motorcycle, I can't ride my bike. So no, no, they've said so the motorcycles you are able to you can use it, but for the so there was if you know how many times I just people hail any motorcycle driving for, I don't know how you enforce Maybe this. you, well that's the problem because even the enforcement that they've been doing now, some of the articles that I've read, they, you know how sometimes the police officers tend to enforce it in the wrong way as well. Mm. So the enforcements are actually not necessarily illegal in terms of what they're doing. So I think in general, if they if they have, they've got valid points as to why they want to ban them in my opinion. However, I think they need to manage what it is that they're going to do and how they're going to do that. Whether it be only one person on a bike, whether it's only during peak hours that people can't go on the bikes mm. or whether x y and z or maybe a certain time impose a ban but even then but to actually, time is when people need it right because they're trying to get to work or i mean like yeah or whatever hours they decide to um in reality what they need is that they needed a phased approach to how they're going to do this of, yes, like, you exactly. can't just set a date when you've got no solution in place and so many other i mean things. the solution is is weak it doesn't it, it makes it's no sense for already busy roads we've seen how the roads are there's so much traffic the whole purpose of these bikes are very quick they're nifty you can mm. just get to one place to another it it's cheap. It's affordable. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. actually cheap and affordable. Yeah, yeah. So, have you ever been on the back of a Nakada? I've never been on a Nakada. No, I've, I've been on a Keke. 
I've been on one twice and really? it was fine. I mean, the only thing is, you're not supposed to touch the drivers. I don't know. I see people with their hands on their side. They even holding bags. They're holding kids. They're holding shopping. And a goat. Yeah. That? that was in Ghana though. Uh, but I was, I was gripping <laughs> off for dear life. Are you okay? I'm not gonna die today. So he held yeah. on to the driver. Yes, uh, I gripped the marriage. <laughs> Wife. But anyway, guys, yeah, join us in the conversation. Let us know what you think. I just, for me personally, wasn't the best solution, and it's not a right way to take away people's livelihood, but obviously manage the crime rates in other ways. Agreed. Cool. Okay, we'll move on to my topic then. So my topic for this week is about Trump and his travel bans. Um, so basically, Trump has decided that um, there are a few countries on his list that do not meet the security standards of um, the US. Of and the as US, a result, you know. Yeah, as oh, a result, okay. they are not able to um, they're, they're not able to get visas. Essentially, Nigeria is among the list, and Nigeria is also among the list. Um, not just among the list of people that can't get visas, but in terms of the amount of visas that they're able to <laughs> not get, it's a lot higher than a lot of other Whoa. countries. Um, unfortunately. Um, some of the stats that you've seen that have been flying around have been things like, our, um, I think Ethiopia last year, uh, Eritrea, Eritrea. Um, last year um, applied for 2,000 visas, whereas Nigeria applied for 8,000. Whilst that seems like drastically um, larger, Nigeria isn't like one in five Africans is a Nigerian. So I mean, in, one in four black people across the globe. Wow. Are Nigerian. Yeah. So actually, in reality, that's that it doesn't really prove anything in my opinion. But um, look, we are applying for a lot of visas. Um, but yeah, my question is, like, how do you guys feel about that? What are you guys thinking? Is it is it is it okay? Is it because of something that we do? Is it going to put Nigeria in a place where we try and better ourselves? Is there grounds? Is it too much? Is it Trump being Trump? Uh, team too much. Team too much. Trump in general. Sorry, I just had to go in there. <laughs> I do feel like it's it's. I would love to know what the grounds were. Because I feel like maybe there were certain stipulations that they had to meet and they didn't do it. Maybe they felt they had time before they could submit those and then it all happened. But then again, we all know that Trump is a little bit wayward anyway. These thoughts of mine. They're shared by most of They are shared. And dual nationality. Tell them that. Delete that. I'm joking. British. Rico. Because obviously we've left the EU now as well. So, But yeah, sad times. But yeah, I just feel like, will it put us in a place where we're going to actually do something about what needs to be done? It depends, once again, on what those stipulations are as to what they require. Because it's us coming into America. What security problems is there? So on that, actually, so Bahari has um, like uh, basically hired like a minister to look into this. To be, okay. Like their job will be solely to solve these things. So I do think there were a list, list of stipulations that essentially we didn't meet. So we didn't. Okay. Uh, that put us in that position. Um, a lot of it to do with the controversial issue that happened last year. But before we get into that, Grace, tell us your views. Um, I don't even know that many Nigerians are trying to get to America. I'm not going to lie to you. Everyone's yeah, screaming. Really Canada. Yeah. They're screaming. Canada, Australia. <laughs> Um, and in fact, even before they say US, they're saying UK. So, me personally, I don't know any of the 6,000 that applied last year. And um, as far as I'm aware, the travel ban doesn't include students. And that's the main way Nigerians overstay their visas anyway. Sorry, I'm not revealing secrets. Sorry, Trump. Um, yeah, I just... With the Trump administration, maybe because I've been to the States a few times, I just feel like the gloss and the shiny and the glossy perception of America. Matt. Mm. Yeah, it's like... Matt. And uh, there is a view that, you know, people just want to, like, go to New York to say they've done it or go to LA yeah. to say they've done it. But I don't really know anyone... Those at home, those here, 
anyone in the diaspora that's really trying to relocate to America mm-hmm. anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And I think not just under a Trump administration, but actually realizing that America um, is very racist. And I think th- there's been a wave actually of um, seeing more Africans in media, seeing more Africans in fashion, seeing more Africans in positions of influence in general, that's making a lot of Nigerians say, actually, I don't have to meet my full potential outside Mm -hmm. of the 36 states. Mm -hmm. I can do it at home. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a lot more investment. Um, Dan Gote the other day came out saying that he was gonna be funding a whole bunch of female-led farms. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the the concept of of like the land of the free and the land of gold, obviously there are some people that are, um, maybe not work shy, because I think Nigerians are very hardworking, even if they're fraudulent, they're very- Okay, yeah. come through BBC and CNN and whoever <laughs> yeah. else wants to praise us. But in, in general, I think the concept of going somewhere else to reach your full potential was slowly diminishing. And if people are studying abroad, it's just to better their Study. CV yeah, and yeah. to separate them from everyone else so that they can say, ah, I school in London mm-hmm. or, or, or Mayanki or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, in fact, you know what? I've said it before. I said it in the last episode. Everyone close your borders. When we're forced to work with each other, (laughs) I think Nigeria will just be great because it will force to be. Stop going and take your wealth and your knowledge elsewhere. Stay where you are. I'm saying that as someone living in the UK. Yeah, slightly hypocritical. But who knows? I could move back. I'm ready. I've been shouting that actually since 30 December. Take me back. Deport me. No, but I completely agree. And one of the things... Remind me of that fact. But um, one of the things that I said um, in the last episode was actually about investment and the fact that um, we should be, we should, when investment is coming to Africa, we should be thinking to ourselves, but if they can do this, it means that there's something to be made for them. Therefore, we should do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. Um, one of the other things to be aware of um, with this whole situation is all of you guys that are out there with dual nationalities, fun facts that I learned from the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. Should anything happen in Nigeria and you're there showing your green passport while you've got your like your red one, soon to be blue one in your pocket, um, <laughs> if anything happens and you're basically trying to, you know, you're calling them saying, oh, can you come and get us? They're taking all of the people with only a pink passport or red passport, whatever colour, burgundy passport first. If you have a green one and they know, they are not taking you on that plane. So just, just in the future, just make sure Mad-o. you be careful of where you tell people about this dual nationality because me, I only have a British passport. I'm telling you now. Remember, remember, I'm telling you now. I have a Nigerian one, but it expires in six months, Mine and I'm not done. gonna renew it. Mine has been expired. What? I'm not renewing it. Cindy, you say? <laughs> Who's who? That? That's me. I'm Cindy. I have a question though. So, like, I guess maybe on like a serious slant. Seriously. Why is it okay? So there may have been the list of stipulations that Nigeria didn't meet, but in general, I've, I've alluded to this many times on this podcast. What reputation does Nigeria have outside of Nigeria, outside of Africa, mm. <laughs> and has that contributed to this ban? So we know Definitely. about Boko Haram. Yep. We know well, actually, about the sorry, US, sorry, the US do have actually publicly stated that they've been working with us very closely on that, and whilst that is an issue, it isn't the only issue. I mean, there was an article that came out uh, last week that said that there are a few of the um, convicted 
Boko Haram members were getting into rehab instead of oh, staying in prison. Oh, that, that, wait for us. That's the next podcast. We're we'll talk, talk about, about that. that. Okay. But, um, so aside <laughs> from Boko Haram, when everyone, um, anyone makes a joke about Nigeria, whether it's David Cameron, ex-Prime Minister, oh, yeah. or whoever. Fantastically corrupt. Yeah, they just talk about <laughs> corruption. The Nigerian prince that's going to yeah. send you money or save you money. Even Angela, though the person is usually Angela Ugandan. Angela and Michael. Oh, yeah. Who got married? They're usually Ugandan. Oh, yeah. Angela. And they got married yeah. in Nigeria. Yeah. You said Ugandans. Right? No, I just want everyone to know because it frustrates me. But it's the fact that Ugandans can capitalize on the on the stereotype of the fraudulent Nigerian. And then it's not even a stereotype when the CIA comes out in 2019 saying that the biggest case of fraud they've ever investigated included 80 Nigerians, both on the yeah, offshore. How many? How many? In, how how many were there in total? I think it was 80 out of 80. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm we don't know. That. But it was a large number, so we don't. No, we, we don't, don't help ourselves. ourselves, but it's it's the ones that seem to know. grab the headlines mm-hmm. that seem to be doing stupid. I've, I always say, when you think of India, you think of IT. You don't remember that they have a billion people there or that they have um, HIV and poverty. Like, oh, like we don't yeah. always see... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, but we don't. It's not the first yeah, thing that yeah, I yeah, think of. Yeah. You think of ignorant people saying, like, the P word or, like, curry or whatever. You don't think of fraud. Mm. Why is it when you think of Nigeria, you think fraud and then you're scratching your head to think, oh yeah, maybe gel off rice or whatever, you know, yeah, like, what do you, what's synonymous with Nigeria? Google, in fact, what's synonymous with Nigeria? Google it. No, but then sometimes you have to think about it in terms yeah, of like, to think of an I think in, in Africa in general, there's not a lot Michael. of, just think about it in terms of the world, there's not a lot of African countries that people are going to name just confidently. In, that's one thing to remember. And actually, Ghana, if we were to use Ghana, Ghana is an, we, we talked about it last week, they're excellent when it comes to tourism. Mm. And actually, if you're thinking about the countries to go and visit, they're up there on the list. And then when you're thinking about any everything above sub Saharan, Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, can you be Sub-Saharan. above the sub? Yeah, above sub. Okay, Sub-Saharan, everything. Sub-Saharan, okay. Tunisia, <laughs> yeah, so everything um, above sub-Saharan Algeria. Africa essentially isn't really considered as part of Africa anyway. Yeah. So you don't really, yeah, you don't consider them as one of the countries. So when you're listing <laughs> yeah. countries, there's not a lot of you no, but sis, really list. we think about okay, and this might be because of Disney and Lion King, but we think of South Africa and we think safaris, we think zebras, we think. I don't. I think. I think of. Um, okay, we might think of Mugabe or Afro House, but what? I'm talking about how do others the rise. No, I think about See. the fact that it took till 20, 2002 before like there was some form of equality there. But then you, your mind is <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lenin somebody. I said that. Yeah, yeah. The outside perception. <laughs> yeah, true. But then I don't think people. I I think if you were to if you Same were Nigeria. if you were like the outside somebody and you're thinking about the countries to go to, I would I think I would be just as worried to go to Nigeria as I would to be to go to South Africa. I think the risk. Would the risk I would play would be mm, that there's white people in South Africa, therefore my, maybe I can. But in terms of like worries and concerns about the country, they're the same. But the perception maybe of Nigeria is fraud. The perception, fraud. Oh, the perception yeah. of South Africa is HIV. Mm. It is. I think it's the HIV. outside perception, what is racism? Yeah. I think people say HIV before they say racism. Oh, really? I would say, isn't it Zimbabwe that one in three? It was one in four when I first went there. Yeah. I think it's one in three Zimbabweans. Um, so we are going to move on slightly. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's okay left term, but my point is in terms of outside perception, yeah. is that what helped contribute to the travel ban? I think we all say We don't yes. know, potentially. Another fact is that... Until we know what the... Yeah. Yeah. Another fact is that there are some countries that have been aware of this travel ban since 2018 that have been working towards it. So the question then also remains, Nigeria, what were you doing? Mm. Later, as always. Yeah. 
Okay, so on the topic of Nigeria and the best things about Nigeria, we're about to go to, you know, something slightly lighter, Naira Mali, the one and only. Malias, go forward, the rest. Peace out. You can't see us, but right now we're all doing the dance. Yeah. No belt gang. Malias. No butt gang. No belt gang. Oh, no belt gang. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, MBG. Oh, is that what they're called? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. So he has a few sayings. <laughs> including Inside Life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Inside no, Life. No, no, no but Yeah. What? Oh. Yeah. Do you want to reveal what you thought the lyric was? I have to, like, sing it. It's alive. <laughs> what's alive, though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Inside Life. Yeah, exactly. Inside Jail. Yeah, Inside oh, Life. It makes sense. Okay. And okay. no belt gang. Guess. Or to defy fan life. Oh in, wow. Jail. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I've never heard no belt gang. So right. yeah. Yeah. So Naira Mali is obviously the guy behind hits like Okutuyi, Soapy. Which one's the game? There's a lot of tracks. Mafo. That's one of my favorites of them, actually. And he recently had his headline show at the OT Brixton, which has <laughs> right the capacity. They said it. I didn't say anything. But it has a capacity of 4,975, so we can round that up to 5,000. 5, nice. And um, he sold out within two hours for all the standing tickets, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if we bear it in mind that there are other artists that are supposedly bigger that have struggled to sell out other venues like Indigo O2, mm-hmm. which has comparatively less. Mm-hmm. Um, Indigo has about 3,000 in terms of capacity. O2 Academy Islington has about 800. So for the fact that he could wow. sell out 5,000 mm-hmm. was crazy. So as the Afro pop um, connoisseur, that's me. Hello, hi. hi. Um, I was the Fro Beats, I guess. Um, Representative. Yes. Um, correspondent. Yeah, for the night. There we go. So I want to say that I was for the night, but it, it was a shortly lived experience because I got there and there were hundreds of people waiting to get in. Um, there was a lot of police coverage. Um, is that empty inside, Grace? No, it was at capacity. Oh, so they, they over. A lot of people were very upset at the fact that they had either bought tickets, um, either resale or um, phase two or whatever, and that they didn't feel like they had the opportunity to get their refund because they weren't allowed in. No belt life. Definitely getting a refund. Getting a belt. Um, One of the official photographers for the night, I won't name their name. Well, I was about to say their pronoun and you were about to figure out who it was. that person was in queue from 7.30 and got into the venue at quarter past nine. So I think they had a few logistical issues anyway. I don't know if they were calling it off or... I don't, I don't know. There, there seemed to be quite a lot of confusion. Unfortunately, somebody got stabbed outside, which was one of the biggest um, concerns since Naira Mali does have like a, a road man like past, if you will. Um, and obviously him being off ends because he's not from Brixton, that was always going to be a risk. Um, and then last but not least, there were a bunch of celebrities that didn't even make it in, including Tim Westwood, Daku, Lighter, and Crepton Conan. Yes, I'm coming with all the tea. So, my question is to you all. Mm-hmm. Is this the way for the genre to blow if there's always violence associated with our big events? And is that a generalisation? I believe it's a generalization because there isn't always violence associated with (laughs) environments based on the ones that we've been to. I feel like the crowd 
I kind of expected it from the Naira Miley crowd, only based on things that I've heard before. Mm -hmm. I've heard that his crowd tends to be quite young. They are quite, like, um, rowdy. Rowdy, yeah, I guess you'd say rowdy, but I guess it's just part of the jovial nature of his music, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's, it's not, he doesn't promote, I don't, he doesn't promote gang life or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I just feel like it's just in terms of the crowd and the age and stuff of the people, but, ah. Uh, I think the issue here was the fact that if you're overselling a concert, there's going to be a lot more people outside than there needs to be, and that is what can cause frustration. Mm -hmm. And the reason why maybe somebody got stabbed, who knows? Maybe it was just like somebody caught up in the ruckus or whatever, maybe people passing by. When you see a crowd, you want to know what's happening, and that can cause and attract um, unnecessary attention. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you could say that it's always linked with our artists or their music and stuff. No. I think, I think as well, like we have to think about it in terms of the following that he has. And like you said, the the standing seats sold out in two hours. That is unheard of. Mm. Um, and actually, like those are always. I mean, usually they're the cheapest seat. Um, they're the cheapest tickets. And they were. And yeah, they would have been cheaper tickets in this situation. And actually, you can just. That means that people wanted to stand. They wanted to be in that sort of like that atmosphere. Because mm -hmm. one of the main reasons I don't stand is because I don't want anything to happen. I don't want people to start pushing and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I just know don't want to risk it. And my feet will hurt. But in terms of it, like that, that was the crowd that he was attracting already. Mm -hmm. I think as well, like we, we, I think what the difficulty with it in terms of, is this the way for like us to blow, for the genre to blow? I think it's difficult because we know that Nara Mar Marley is from, uh, or his following would be that type of crowd anyone else that's looking at that genre don't know that mm -hmm. so actually when you're thinking about it in terms of him being nominated for awards and so on and so forth he's it like no they don't know that and so actually all they hear is that at his concert someone got stabbed mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden it puts a very negative um like yeah it puts a very ne ne negative view on him on his type of music and the people it attracts and so on it's similar to the whole blue story thing that actually something happened there and as a result you then say that the film is the thing that's triggering this rather than actually just thinking... You're going to give us the backstory to the Blue Story. Oh, okay. So Blue Story, um, so it was in Birmingham, I believe, um, in a cinema in Birmingham, and there was a stabbing... Well, there wasn't a stabbing, actually. That didn't happen. Cut <laughs> <laughs> that out. <laughs> so no, in a cinema in um, Birmingham, uh, they were screening Blue Story, and there was a load of people... And that Frozen. Oh, and Frozen, Frozen at the same time. Um, and a load of people turned up with um, knives, um, and probably not just knives, and machetes, actually. There was a few, there was a few photos that were shown... Um, of the, I guess, instruments. <laughs> instruments that These was These Frozen fans are wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a result, View and Showcase banned the film um, being shown in their cinemas. Um, and after a lot of, um, essentially, like, blowback, uproar and so on, they eventually brought it back. I believe, actually, they banned it again. There was a second situation in which they banned it again. Something else happened. But the first one wasn't actually linked to the film. It was actually to do with some random thing yeah, outside so it, it wasn't was, even linked the demographic were like asian young boys so mm -hmm. the concept that they were trying to link blue story being like a black film <laughs> about young road that's why you can't put bame in the same category and it was the fact that it was asian. we're gonna talk about that in yeah. another episode because <laughs> yeah, yeah. honestly it's it's the bane of my life, <laughs> life. Um, but yeah it wasn't the movie that they said it was it wasn't mm. the demographic that they said mm. it was no. they just didn't want to run the film they had no yeah like legitimate reasons so mm. they went ahead and used that as a blanket okay let uh, the reason why i ask this question is you know when they talk about um not in hill carnival there's always that mm. concept of there's always so much crime mm. and, and whenever we talk about black events in general mm, we have to highlight that oh there were no stabbings or there was only a, like 
we always have to go over and above to prove that we mm. are not violent. Mm. And mm. me personally, I'm tired of having to always fight that perception mm. that whenever there's a gathering of black people, mm. that we're instinctively just going to be the savages that we've been painted out to be for yeah. the last few yeah. centuries. Mm. Actually, my experience has been that, you know, usually you, you get a stush girl like here and there mm. that doesn't want to agree or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But on the whole, if you've got music mm-hmm. and you've got food, it's usually a, a good vibe. time. And more time, me personally, in my own experience, you're able to make more, in fact, less superficial connections in those social settings mm-hmm. than I've seen happen in other white settings mm-hmm. because just yeah, you're just you yeah. The, the box that you've been that we talked assigned. about last yeah, week, yeah, yeah. the box that you've been assigned, you now have to play up to. Here's why this is called Sandra call me sometimes. No, but it's very true. I completely yeah. agree. And I think. Um, Again, this is like inside knowledge. Ooh, um, a few. Um, Ooh, the tea. The O2 as a as a um, as a chain of music venues have already banned another Afrobeats artist because of how the um, I guess events transpired for his event. Um, and what I'm scared about is that now that we've had another event at another O2, O2 music venue, venue yeah. that they're just going to think, okay, all Afrobeats events are like this, mm. which is why most of them refuse to do like grime events, which is why um, people like the Block Europe, is that how you call them? Mm. We, mm. They were forced to go to Ali Pali because O2 were like, we're not going to have grime listeners or UK hip hop listeners in our mm. venues. Mm. And again, it, it's an honest question to have because we can't ignore the fact that an incident didn't happen. And actually, when we think about the average rock concert, I don't know the propensity for that sort of crime. Mm. There might be coke in the toilet, but <laughs> yeah. no one's getting stabbed. Yeah. Um, what can we do then as a people, and is it our responsibility mm-hmm. to try and better that narrative? Yeah, but I, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the fact that it's not, it's not our, yeah, that's, that's another point. It's not our responsibility, but I remember like, I feel like in these situations where there is like the quid pro quo of like what you're supposed to do, you have to think about it in terms of, at some point in time, if you don't educate, who, who would? And actually saying that, that was one of the, um, like, I can't remember the name of the guy. He won a BAFTA and he, um, oh, I should get the name. Well, the recently? Yeah, recently. Oh, the young one, Michael. No, no, the oh. white guy that won the BAFTA. Oh, the one that did the speech. Um, yes. Jer- hey, mm. someone, he got a G yes, in his name. Yes, I'll put his name. In fact, guys behind the camera, his name is here. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make that happen. Make that happen. <laughs> um, but um, he, um, yeah, he basically, yeah, JP. Justin Page, I think. I don't know. Oh, no, yeah. I don't think it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they're trying to help us out, but we, I can't look rude. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. No, it was a white guy. It's definitely a white guy. It wasn't him. The Joker. Yeah, the Joker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, the Joker. I should have His name is Joaquin. Yeah. He's not Joaquin. Yeah, yeah. He's not what, like Justin? <laughs> anyway, okay, cool. So, anyway, so the guy from The Joker, um, basically, when he um, received his award, he talked about the fact that um, the reality, the reality of um, the film industry is that um, is that yeah that the, the award doesn't um, that the way it's built essentially black not enough black people are recognised um, and enough enough of them don't and not enough of them win awards and that actually the narrative should be on him and white people in general to actually change it because they're the only ones that are capable of it. Um, and I and 
I thought that was really interesting. Do you know why his speech bangs? Because earlier that day, same event, Prince William came up with a speech saying there's not enough diversity in the last 10 years in the BAFTAs. But he's been the royal patron of the mm. BAFTAs for the last 10 years. That's so, what so. If it was Harry now, different story. But also, how can you be screaming about diversity for this but you didn't support your black sister in law? Oh. It's a separate question. A separate I'm question. just asking. I'm yeah. just asking. But also, as the patron, like what else are you there yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. If you if you notice that there's a lack of diversity, what well, do something? You can do something. Yeah, 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 Don't yeah, just yeah. come and do speech and then go home. Yeah, yeah, your cheating ass. It's true. Apparently but, so. Yeah. So yeah. the point I'm trying to make in terms of that is just really that in terms of what we're saying, like, is it our responsibility? Is, is it our responsibility? And the main thing I always think is that realistically, no one wants to fly that flag. It, um, the guy from uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy that did uh, get out recently started talking Daniel about Daniel Kaluuya. I, I just don't know, to, I don't know how to say his surname. I didn't, yeah. want, I didn't want to stress myself. Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. Um, but um, equally, he just said that he's tired about talking about black issues. Like at some point in time, it, it gets to the point where it's a bit like, you don't want to be the person that's flying the flag for everyone because I don't represent a race. But at the same time, if I don't say it, who will? Mm. Um, if I don't represent my people, who will? And that, again, those are the things that bring us back into this box that I keep talking about that defines us so heavily. Okay, so I guess if I'm going to mm. ask the final question, Cindy, mm. and then Ola. Is it our responsibility? No, in fact, let me change the question. How can we blow as a genre if violence is always associated with our large events? In a sentence, mm. how can we blow? We've blown, blow. We've already blown. <laughs> We've already blown. So we don't need the validation. We don't need the validation. We're not going to get the validation anyway. We just need to continue what we're doing, put on more shows and events and stuff. Mm. Just in the right way and whatever and just show that that's just a, an anomaly in terms of what happens and yeah. just continue to do what we need to do yeah. we're not doing it for them in the first place anyway so mm-hmm. it is what it is yeah i agree we need to outweigh the narrative there needs to be more events that are happening that are successful than the ones that we hear about that aren't um and just slowly it will trickle away mm-hmm. and we actually in all honesty need more white people to come to our events as well because they're the ones that are gonna it's the same way that white people now go to Notting Hill Carnival and feel comfortable there. It's the same way. And they're the, they're the ones that are not saying, oh, I'm uncomfortable. It's but insane. they're uncomfortable to come to our events. So there's not more, I'm not going to accommodate people. To no, come but to once something. upon a time, they were uncomfortable to come to Notting Hill because they thought it wasn't safe. Mm. So actually, if they start feeling safe and coming... So we need ones... more patrons outside of our own community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, okay, and then for me, I think the last solution to build on what you said is we need a bit more ownership. Um, at the end of the day, when we're trying to book venues, we're having to prove... Um, the track record of previous events. If we've got ownership within the community, I think the threshold is slightly, um, maybe not lower, but there's more knowledge around the context of those events. Mm-hmm. So like you said, if an event, or if a, a violent um, incident happens, you know that it's not reflective of the genre, you know it might be reflective of the following, or the artist, or you, you might even say that was a one-off mm-hmm. event, mm-hmm. as opposed to labelling the whole genre. Yeah. So yeah, if we have more ownership, I think we are allowed to have a few more allowances. Nice. Guys, we hope you have enjoyed this week's episode on the toi. Thanks guys for tuning into this week's episodes. Make sure you check us out on all major platforms and you like, share, subscribe, tell a friend to drop a friend, get into our comments, send us a DM, you know, just interact with us and we hope to see you next week.